From The Daily Oz, I'm Billy Fitzsimons and this is No Silly Questions. As always, we're doing another civics explainer today and I'm joined by TV extraordinaire Tom Crowley. Thanks, Billy. Uh, you can't see me today, but it's good to be here. I, I note that last week I was sounding a little bit husky. This week you're a little worse for wear, so I'm going to enjoy the, the tables having turned. I feel like I'll be a little bit chirpier than you today, maybe. I am. I've unfortunately got COVID for the second time this year. Very unlucky, but it's going to get me down if we talk about it for too long. So today's topic is probably one of the ones that we get the most questions about, and that's the Houses of Parliament, and more specifically, what the difference is between the Senate and the House of Representatives. So Tom, we've touched on this a little bit before, but can you explain what's different about what you're exploring today? Yeah, so we've talked about the houses in the context of the election, right? And we've explained who we're voting for. But of course, once we vote for them, they've got to do something. And today's kind of about that. What do they do, these people that we elect? And how does the business of government get done? All right, let's get into the 60 second answer. Your time starts now. So we've got our two houses, the House of Representatives and the Senate. First, the House of Reps. As we've said before, it's made up of 151 local representatives. It's where government is formed, whoever controls a majority of those 151, and it tends to be one of the major parties. Now, the business of parliament, Billy, is pretty simple. It makes laws. They do a bunch of other theatrical stuff. They ask each other questions. But the main thing is they make laws and the House of Reps is where that starts. So bills are introduced and bills are just proposals for new laws or for new spending that have to get voted on. And they've got to get a majority first in the House of Representatives. Now, technically, anyone can introduce a bill, but as the government who controls the majority, most often it is the government that that does bills to, to achieve its own agenda, but also just to pass all the ordinary, uncontroversial things that government does. Pass the House of Representatives and you go to the Senate, which we know is the state's house, people representing states and territories. It tends to have a lot more minor parties and a much more colourful composition. The government doesn't usually control the Senate. So it's got a little bit of a difficult time because the Senate also has to vote on any bill for it to become the law. If the Senate says no, back to the drawing board. The bill has to be changed or amended and it doesn't become law until both houses agree. So even though our main focus in this election, Billy, might be on the House of Reps and who's going to be the government, who's going to be the Prime Minister, it takes two to tango. The Senate also has a very important role to play. I think that'll do for my first answer. How did I go? Well, in the words of Abby Chatfield, I would say that that was a lot. Hello, Abby, if you're listening. But let's start with the House of Representatives. Why is that the main one? And, and why is that the place where government is formed? Yeah, I think this question of why is is a really good place to start. It's sort of a question of convenience, basically. Um, and so the House of Reps is where all the business of government starts. So I guess it's kind of natural that whoever can reliably control it is the one that's best placed to be the government. And I'll come back to something that I mentioned briefly in that 60-second answer, which is that, you know, we, we often talk about the kind of controversial things and disagreements in politics, but a lot of what government does and has to do is uncontroversial. So, for example, when a new financial year comes along, Parliament has to approve that we're still actually going to even have the police or have an army or have any of the things the government does. The Parliament's got to approve the money for that. Now, it's generally pretty controversial, Uh, But someone's got to draft it, someone's got to introduce it, and someone's got to sort of decide the amounts and pass the money. And so, again, um, you know, the party that can kind of control a majority in the House of Representatives is the best place to kind of manage that business of government. 
Um, and of course, sometimes, as we've discussed on the show before, uh, the major party may not have full control themselves. They might be reliant on what we call the crossbench, on a couple of sort of minor parties or independents to help them get over the line. And that's really all about, you know, what those minor parties or independents agree to do is to just sort of give them that confidence to do the ordinary business of government. And they may not support them on the more controversial things that the government wants to do. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's all about kind of who can kind of keep the wheels of government turning. That's kind of why we put this focus on the House of Reps, and that's why it's sort of talked about as the seat of government. Okay, and then there's the Senate, which is also sometimes called the Upper House. What I want to know is why do we even have two separate houses and why does a second house exist in the first place if, like you said, it just makes things difficult for the government? Yeah, so in a sense, making things difficult for the government is kind of the point of the Senate and it's kind of why we have one. And so if you go right back to to 1901 when the parliament was set up, it was coming from a context where the states were their own, you know, kind of independent things and they were agreeing to form this national government. But there was a little bit of kind of, you know, scepticism about how much power the national government would have. And so they set up this sort of house where the states would be represented so that the states would kind of be able to sort of keep a check on the national government, keep a check on these local representatives. That's not really how it works now. It's more about political parties. But what's happened instead is we get all these sort of colourful crossbenchers and minor parties and there are a bunch of different kind of groups that the government will have to negotiate with um, to, to pass um anything that it wants to into law. And that's kind of a useful check, I guess, on the government. Um, And of course, the public can sometimes give the government a majority in the Senate if people really, really, really love the government um, and and they vote for them in both houses enough that the government ends up with a majority in the Senate. Then the government can just sort of do whatever it likes. But when there is this sort of um, block in the Senate, when you've got to work with others, um, I guess it ends up being slightly more consensus-based and there's more of an opportunity for the Senate to, um, to block some of the big things that the government wants to do or to try and amend it and to come to kind of a, you know, a different alternative. Um, And so, um, again, sort of a lot of the ordinary uncontroversial business of government will go through the Senate, you know, without anyone opposing it. But when it comes to these sort of thorny and controversial issues, um, the Senate is kind of designed in a way to act as, it's it's sometimes talked about as the house of review. um, And that kind of creative tension is, is sometimes viewed as a healthy thing. Okay, and what happens if the two houses absolutely can't agree? Nothing will get done, right? So suppose the House of Reps passes something and the Senate says no, goes back to the House of Representatives and the Senate says no again. Uh, the government could just dump it if it wanted to. Um, but if it's something sort of really crucial, if there's this really crucial standoff between the two houses, then what happens is Parliament gets dissolved. Um, which is a dramatic term for it basically means that everybody, we just go to an election again. Um, and so it's it's what's called um, a, a trigger for a double dissolution, double being the two houses of parliament, dissolution being dissolved. Um, basically, if um, there's disagreement on a particular bill twice, the prime minister can say, this isn't working, this is unworkable, the House of Reps can't work with the Senate, we need to go to a full election. And the whole House of Reps gets elected again, but not just the House of Reps, um, but also the whole Senate. So normally we only elect half the senators at a time, but in a double dissolution, the whole thing um, gets gets re-elected all at once. And so that does happen sometimes, that there are, are these sorts of disagreements between the houses um, and the Prime Minister goes to the Governor-General and says, no, we need to start from scratch. We need to ask the Australian public to give us a whole new parliament because this isn't working. So that's kind of the dramatic end point when there's a lot of tension between the House of Reps and the Senate. It doesn't happen that often, but it did happen um, only, only a few years ago. So it's not inconceivable. And just lastly, while we're on the topic of political jargon, there is one more thing I want to ask about, and that's the 
say cabinet. It's a word you hear a lot when we're talking about the government. Can you explain what it is and how it fits into these two houses? Yeah, so which house has the cabinet in it, in other words? Um, the, the answer is kind of both. So so I guess kind of what's missing in all of this is sort of, you know, what actually constitutes the government and, and how does the government actually come up with the ideas for for the bills and the, the laws that it wants to pass and all the stuff that it wants to put through parliament. That's where the cabinet comes in. Um, and the cabinet is made up of ministers led by the prime minister, but there'll be a minister for health and there's a minister for education and ministers for all sorts of different things. Um, and the prime minister gets to decide um, generally who is in the cabinet. And it's sort of an informal arrangement. So it's, it, it is mentioned in the constitution, but it's not specified that it has to be kind of other government MPs. Technically, even the prime minister could come from um, from the Senate. That doesn't normally happen. Um, but the Prime Minister is allowed to call basically anyone they wanted. They could call someone from the opposition. They could call someone who's not even a politician if they wanted. But what generally happens is they pick a bunch of other members of Parliament, either from the House of Reps or the Senate, um, to sort of, you know, government MPs um, to, to form their cabinet. And they assign out what's called the portfolios, which are the subject areas. And each minister has responsibility for kind of working with the relevant parts of the public service, working with their advisors to actually do the detailed work of developing the policies, figuring out what they're going to be, getting down to specifics and making sure, I guess, that that bills um, are ready to, to go before the parliament and doing all the other things that, that, that ministers might do. So some ministers have discretion over particular areas. For example, the immigration minister gets to make kind of individual decisions about people's visas that don't need parliament. So there are lots of different responsibilities that different ministers have. Um, but broadly speaking, they're, they're drawn from, from government MPs and they do the kind of business of getting all the stuff ready before it comes to Parliament. So, so that's kind of where the Cabinet fits in. All right, I think that's all we have time for. Political 101 once again. Tom, thank you so much for joining us. TV extraordinaire. We brushed past that before, but you were on ABC's The Drum and I'm sure that we'll see you on there more often. I thought I managed to escape that one, Billy. Thank you. That's very kind. And congratulations on getting through this episode. Uh, sick though you are, I hope you can get some rest. Shall I do the finish? Shall I tell people that they can subscribe to our podcast? They can give us a five-star rating. It really helps us as independent media producers. You'll be back on Tuesday. I'll be back next Thursday. Thank you very much for listening. Did I miss anything? Is that all? That was perfect. Thank you so much. Amazing. I'll have you out of a job soon, Billy. Thanks for listening to No Silly Questions. (laughs) Thanks very much.